Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right. We're talking Friday the 13th, the 2009 reboot on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Crystal Lake, perhaps for the very last time. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters, and we're going to break it all down from the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th in the hopes that an unlucky camper's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person that I trust to help me when I'm choking a mammoth backwoods mutant by a chain and a bear trap, the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Do you, do you see that there? I think that might be a highway. We've been, <laughs> we've been wandering through this campground for two and a half years. And <laughs> I, I think it's... I think we might be near. We, we might be near civilization. Maybe that's right. Maybe we well, should like throw out some road flares or or, or start <laughs> yelling for help. I, I think someone might be able to find us at this point. We've seen some people take road flares in a very bad direction over the course of this two and a half years. I say we stay away from the road flares, but we definitely get to the road and start waving our arms wildly in the rain in the hopes that someone. Anyone will pick us up and take us away from here, Gina. Because God knows none of our guests have. They just leave <laughs> us behind. They just leave us behind, like the Harlem Globetrotters left left Gilligan's Island behind while taking any of them with them. <laughs> they just they just it, got airlifted and left us behind to die. Yeah. Why did the Harlem Globetrotters remain so silent about those people who kept them alive on that island? Well, you know they don't. You know you ever saw the movie Alive? Yes. They they we don't talk about that. <laughs> it's a, it's very possible the, the, that curly may have eaten the professor at some point the the, the human will to survive it makes us do very it makes us do occasionally unspeakable things <laughs> that's right we never talk about the washington generals who were consumed in, in that incident <laughs> but you know there there was a ref there so it seemed fair at the time even though there was a lot of shenanigans Imagine how how terrific like just you know playoffs would be if you just got to eat the losing team. <laughs> it would make recruitment a bit of a thing. A free agency would be a thing of the past, but I like it. But and- you would play your little heart out, quite possibly literally. <laughs> Yes, and have it be roasted on a spit. Well, you know what? I uh, This is apt. We started alone, and now we're going to end alone, at least for the portion of the podcast where we're going to discuss the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th. Um, it seemed apt, considering that we started the podcast without guests, that we have this time together to ruminate about what a tremendous, fun and terrible waste of time this has all been. <laughs> well, I, I would say more more fun than than waste of time. Oh yes, um, and, but, but to what ends? I mean, now that Will Ferrell has a podcast, we might as well give up. Is, isn't that? I mean, we decided this, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that 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 was our that was our benchmark. Will Ferrell got, Will Ferrell gets a podcast, we quit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how? That's I mean, that's it's amazingly it's amazingly prescient on our part when you think about it. <laughs> 
It really is. I, I thought I saw the sign post on the road when Conan O'Brien got one. But now I think it's time to stab Friday the 13th in its cold black heart and send it to the bottom of that lake never to rise again. Well, that's not true. That That's not necessarily true. We're, we have plans, people. Uh, the body count will continue in some way, shape, or form, and I, I think we've dropped hints along the way of how that's going to happen. But before we get to that, let's cap off this uh, movie. Yes, it is a movie. We, we film, filmed? I'm seeing, it's confusing me. I'm, I'm muddle-brained already. We recorded <laughs> the last episode of this a month ago. Mm-hmm. And and I I don't I'm already forgotten seventy five percent of this movie so thank God for notes am I right because <laughs> I I would not I'd be like you could tell me that that well aliens descended on from the, from the skies and picked up Jason and returned them to their home planet I'd be like yeah all right yeah I remember that that was cool <laughs> I'm not it gonna was. argue with you could completely make up whatever happened in the last twenty minutes of the movie and I'd be like sure. Okay. I think the incidents that actually occur in the movie are so outlandish and odd that I don't have to make things up. The the the, the denouement almost takes place in an abandoned bus in the middle of a forest. I don't understand how people misplace an entire bus. I mean, there were murders that took place there. It, the people didn't die in a Mount Vesuvius-like volcano explosion. Everything has been left to rot, and yet it has electricity and a working toilet. Well, this whole town seems to be just, you know, one big old antique shop of abandoned items. We, <laughs> we have, uh, was it Donnie was was our, our redneck friend from uh, mm-hmm. earlier in the movie? He just had, you know, an attic filled with mannequins and and you know, old timey antiques. Why? We, we don't know. He wasn't, he wasn't selling them. They were just there. Jason's underground lairs is, you know, filled with junk. It, it's like a horrifying version of the littles. They just, they just <laughs> collect everything. The whole town is hoarders. Little, little did we know that this was the most terrifying version of eBay you could possibly have. And, and that's I, where, I can, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no I, I don't have a joke. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't know if I have much one either, but God damn it, I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say that it is pretty much, you know, given a nod, if you want to call it, to to almost mm-hmm. every other slasher movie. Why not throw a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there, too, or where, where you know, everybody just lives in these houses that are just filled with junk, these just dark and you know, cluttered hovels. Just yeah, yeah we'll, we'll might as well might as well throw that into. Uh, the director does really seem to have taken the aesthetic of that chainsaw reboot and just lifted the orange out and put in blue in its place. And you really couldn't tell the difference between the two things, other than I think the chainsaw reboot is directed with a tad more flair. This at one point during this particular sequence, the camera just hovers over the body of Lawrence face down in a dilapidated uh, jacuzzi for 34 seconds. (laughs) And while it is gruesome and I miss poor Lawrence, it is not made scarier by the camera craning over this jacuzzi like, huh? Huh? 
Huh? No. <laughs> Could you please move this along? People are running for their fucking lives here. Yeah, speaking of a pro unnecessarily prolonged scenes, um, we might as well. Oh, do you want to do you want to go ahead and just give a the, the body count of who's still? Oh, alive? sure. I mean, let's find out who's still left alive at this point in the movie. Uh, we have Amanda Rigetti as Chris Higgins from part three. We have Jared Pilecki as bad monster hunter Rob from part four. We have Danielle Panabaker as a little bit of Ginny from part two and Travis Van Winkle as Melissa from part seven. Uh, and Jason Voorhees is dressed in a jacket. Again, Jason Voorhees does not need a lot of outerwear. And this was the turn that seemed to be made in Jason X, where they gave him that ratty leather poncho. Like he was a backup bassist for Bon Jovi gone to seed. And here they give him a jacket. He spends the majority of his day underground in his bat cave. Why does he need a jacket? These people are showing up and water skiing. Why do you need a jacket? Well, it's like, um, uh, was it part five where the, no, part six where you, you, we couldn't figure out what time of year it was supposed to be because they were, they were camping, but everybody had visible breath. (laughs) (laughs) The coldest summer night in New Jersey history. Cause you know, cause summer in New Jersey, you, you hit those crisp 40 degree temperatures. (laughs) Um, but uh, I, I just like to, I, I just like to imagine, you know, Jason emerging from his, you know, Buffalo Bill kill cave, and you know, <laughs> stepping, setting one foot. I go, woof, that's it's a little, little, little nippy out, and like reaching <sighs> in and, you know, grabbing his coat from his little, you know, carved wooden coat rack, and you know that he that he picked up a Pier One. <laughs> this ex drowning victim needs to layer, he says to himself. <laughs> It's like, I could always take the coat off if it gets warm later. Better to to have and not need. I mean, he's huffing it up and down a two-story house. Like, at that point, I think you've worked up enough steam. Maybe it's time to take off the fucking coat. But again, as you said, everyone has visible breath, not only in part six, but part seven was another one. And here it happens a couple of times to the point where you might think, is this the coldest summer night of all time? Like the last time I saw my breath, I was at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and they shouted from the rooftops that it was the coldest Thanksgiving since 1909, I believe was the prognostication. I just, I, it's uh, at some point, someone needs to make a Friday the 13th movie in the summer again, please. If you're going to do it again, I don't care how you do it. Just film it where it's warm. And, you know, it's funny. I was just reading the other day one of the, you know, BuzzFeed's Interminable, you know, trivia you didn't know about movies. And this was specifically about Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, um, It's a Wonderful Life was filmed in the dead heat of summer. <laughs> and there are scenes which you can see Jimmy Stewart just sweating bullets just you know, <laughs> not because he was nervous or you know worried he was going to forget his his next line but because it was like 85 degrees and they're filming this christmas movie the same thing with john carpenter's the thing it was stage 25 was refrigerated but then they would step outside into this heat wave 
of the the Southern California summer of 1981, and everyone caught their death of colds. Uh, another Christmas movie that was filmed in the summer was Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if that seemed to just trip off my tongue, it's because I said it a billion times <laughs> as a studio guide at Universal Studios Hollywood. <laughs> Why? Why is why? Why is Hollywood? Why does Hollywood not understand weather? I don't. Well, I think you're filming it obviously in a, in an off season in the hopes that you would finish it in time for its actual seasonal debut. And most Friday the Thirteenths were released in the summer, although this one was released in February. So why they did not film it in the dead of fucking summer? Or if they did, it was the coldest summer on record in Austin, Texas, which I've been there. I'm sure there are times when it is quite cold, but most of the times it is a very pleasant, uh, you know, warm weather sort of joint. You could At tell best, how you, you I, could, I wore a loose shirt. You could tell how enthusiastic we are about the the remaining twenty odd <laughs> minutes of this movie. We spent five minutes talking about weather. <laughs> Our the best part is when you see Lawrence face down in a hot tub. Our, our listeners are frantically pushing, pushing that fast forward button. <laughs> Skip 30 seconds. Skip 30 seconds. Please, for the love of God, stop talking about being a studio guy. Skip. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to have a whole episode on that sometime. Oh, listen, <laughs> I have friends who still work there. And at some point, you and I are going to take a trip. <laughs> to the backlot murders, the slasher movie filmed on the backlot of Universal Studios back when no one wanted to film there. I guess they slipped some guy a 50 and <laughs> snuck in. And it is terrible. I was going to say, is it is it as bad as uh, Escape from Tomorrow? Whatever the hell that movie was, Escape from Tomorrowland? The, the, oh, the. <laughs> Because man, if we if we if we ever want to do an episode where we just take a hatchet to a movie that we did not enjoy, I'm claiming that one. <laughs> that movie made uh, me so angry. I I am with you. Uh, once upon a time, again, delving deep into the rich material that is this movie. Once upon a time, I wrote a short play about a couple who gets stuck inside of the uh, haunted mansion inside the room with the lady whose head is inside the, the fortune telling mm-hmm. uh, glass. And I just had the soundtrack running on a loop for the 20 <laughs> minutes of their emotional breakdown <laughs> as their, their, their doom buggy would not move. But did you, but, um, but did you have your, you know, your male character, you know, just stare lustfully at a couple of teenage French, French girls? No. Okay. No, well, then you're already, th- th- then you're already better than, than, than Escape from Tomorrowland. Check. <laughs> I'm taking that bad boy to the bank. <laughs> anyway, right. Friday 13th, 2000. Friday the 13th. Uh, okay. So let's rejoin the action. Uh, Cause we, we have to stop talking about these movies. This is the only way we can do it. The only way out is through. So we were, when we, we were, left, we were talking about uh, prolonged scenes. Can, can we talk mm-hmm. about this tow truck scene? Okay. Well, we get, we're getting there because we have to get to Trent first. Cause there's something that occurs with Trent that needs to be discussed. So first of all, Clay and Jenna just witnessed the worst police officer in Friday the 13th history get a fire poker through his eye. 
um, which is really saying something because there have been some terrible cops in these films, but I, I will put this guy right up there. He is fucking useless. Clay and Jenna run into Trent, who we've discovered is he's now acquired a handgun that he stashed among his porno mags. And he, Trent, as you might imagine, immediately starts shooting everything that moves like Bree's dead body and everything that doesn't, including a pair of shoes. <laughs> he's just shooting shit. Yeah, you don't know who's alive or dead. He's just bang, 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 bang. He's just going full Yosemite Sam on this inside <laughs> this house. I mean, I expect him to like just aim the gun down the floor and like be able to let's start shooting, just lift himself off the floor. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Um, one of the incidents that takes place here is he shoots Bree's dead body. Now he we know Bree is dead, but Trent does not. So when he pushes open the bathroom door to discover that he's put a cup of couple bullet holes through Bree's body. What am I to gain from this? Like, am I supposed, because I know that he didn't kill Bree and he now then lies about, oh, but he doesn't lie. He says, J- he says that guy killed Bree, which he did. But what, I just don't understand what I'm supposed to get out of this I, I because I know he's not lying. I know he might think he's lying. Do I need proof that he's a bigger asshole than he already is? I think that's exactly what it is. I, I think it's, uh, you know, well, audience, you, you may have forgotten that this that this guy is the 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 asshole of the cast. So <laughs> you were going to have him, you know, n- not be particularly upset that that he, you know, shot this woman. He was just having sex with a mere five minutes earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that that, you know, even if he, you know, felt you know vaguely collegial towards her you you would think he would you know be a little bit ruffled that he you know accidentally shot her but now he's just like oh shit better cover up this you know i mean you 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 can see that he's you know working in his mind like how am i gonna get out of this one well i better call my dad's lawyer now i'll just i'll just say that the somehow you know you jason got my handgun and shot her first before i did yeah that's gonna be hard to prove because as they exit the building. Uh, Clay and Jenna try to search for Clay's motorcycle keys. Trent goes for what be, might be considered a more useful item. That's the cop's radio. But we see that Jason has torn it apart, uh, as is his want. And Jason then breaks up this revelation by tossing Bree's heavily abused corpse through the windshield of the cop car. Uh, this sends Clay and Jenna off in one direction. And Trent in another. So that means that he's all alone in Crystal Lake, Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. Crystal Lake, New Jersey. Sorry. It's hard to keep these things separated. Um, and we also see that Jason has uh, tossed poor Lawrence's body in that hot tub, which we see for a, an extended period of time. And in Trent's mad dash through the woods, uh, he happens to trip. And this means he lets loose that pistol, which lands in some sort of stream or something. But that results in what I consider the best line in the entire Friday the 13th franchise, which is shit. Where did you, where the fuck did you go, gun? (laughs) Right here, (laughs) Chad. He's asking a gun for its location. Uh, Siri, where is my gun? (laughs) (laughs) 
Alexa, find my gun in this stream. <laughs> that that is I if that I I seriously hope that was improv because if someone wrote those words down, I would think that a computer would just the CPU would shut off and go, mm, we're done. <laughs> It's time to stop typing. <laughs> you, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> Luckily for all of us, Trent decides, all right, screw this. I'm not going to find this gun. I'm just going to wander some more. He finds a road. He almost gets run over by a truck. And then he thinks, wait a second. The killer might be driving that truck. Yeah. And that's, Spoiler that's- alert. It isn't. Yeah, that's my that's actually my new favorite character in this movie, which is creepy red herring tow truck guy. <laughs> because with oxygen tube. Yeah, he because all of a sudden like this like fog rolls in, like they're suddenly in Transylvania. And <laughs> I I mean I honestly expected to hear like a werewolf bang somewhere because <laughs> like so Trent's standing there, it cuts to Trent, cuts to the truck, cuts to Trent. Cuts to the truck, cuts to Trent, cuts to the truck several times while while this, you know, again, you know, an ample amount of fog is just coming in from out of nowhere and making it look extra super spooky. And I mean, there's they don't I don't I don't think that the audience would ever buy for a second that that was that Jason just suddenly just hopped into a tow truck and, and decided <laughs> to run him down. So, again, yeah. this this is a lot of padding. And and then we get a troop to you, an homage, if you will, to another horror movie, and that is John Carpenter's Vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of all of John Carpenter's films, why not give it up to the best? And by best, I mean most misogynist piece of shit that I've ever seen him produce probably because he managed to employ the worst of the people to be in it. I don't know. Cause I read that book and it was mainly like, Hey, we make money from killing vampires, but Oh my God, the actual text of that film is disgusting, but it has those really cool cross shaped bar tow trucks, which, sure. which I have forever associate with that movie. Now, whenever I see one, <laughs> and then and one of those shows up in this yeah trent gets a machete uh turned upwards through his chest and then he gets body slammed into the forks of chekhov's tow truck because we did see it at the barn of doom earlier so i think that's the guy who employs donnie and and um, and, and, and absolutely does not notice that this person has been impaled on the back of his truck no, just, just like fuck this noise. I'm out of here. It's like, all right, I guess you don't need a ride. And <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> see you when I see you. Totally by driving down 1 800 each shit. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, Clay and Jenna briefly discover Chelsea's body, which is just sitting out there for no fucking reason. Um, we get yet another shot of a bathroom once they arrive back at the ruins of Camp Crystal Lake because, hey, this film's got four sets and we're going to use the fuck out of them. Uh, we also uh, see that the this bathroom has working electricity and a toilet, <laughs> but no stinger, which I feel, again, is a real missed opportunity. Um, Clay hears screams finds that they are coming from under the floor. He uses 
believe it or not, an ice axe to gain access to this trapdoor and pry it open. My question to you is why would anyone in this quote unquote hunting lodge of a house need an ice axe? To go with skis, obviously. <laughs> so when you're skiing to Wawa, you need the ice axe to what? Open the door. You got to chop down that door. You got to get to that that (laughs) thick Arctic layer of of, of ice to to, to get your Wawa hoagie. (laughs) Um, This, of course, gives them access to uh, Jason's torture tunnels. And this uh, brings up that constant question that we have had. And I don't know if we're ever going to answer it. And that is, what is the end game of Jason kidnapping Whitney. What is he getting out of this relationship? Well, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, by the time the very end of the movie, we get we reach the very end of the movie, you know, any sort of sense of logic and reason has been forgotten. <laughs> Not forgotten, abandoned. I, I think there was, I think there was a, a conscious decision to just say, yeah, fuck it. You know, I mean, none, none of this has to make sense because uh-huh. I, I was jumping ahead a little bit, but but um, but Whitney more or less gets to be the final girl, and yeah. um, somehow she is very aware of the relationship between Jason and his mother. So did, we brought up in the past just imagining that he's just sitting her sitting there telling her about how his, his mother died when he was a little boy and he's been just going mm-hmm. in alone ever since because she seems very familiar with with the story and and yet she's a runaway or she she just like she's not a runaway she just she you know no no she didn't run no he clay ran away but she clay seems, ran it clay did not could not deal with it and with the sick mother town. and all right but she's sick like, mother and all yeah like like i i don't know she seemed a little like too you know familiar with the circumstances behind how jason ended up the way he did yeah uh i uh, he just needed he just us. needed someone he just needed someone to talk to <laughs> listen I have feelings. I just don't know how to process them. All I'm asking you is for it to sit on this mattress, damp, and listen to me talk about my mom. I got anger management issues, man. I'm working on it. <laughs> listen, the, the weed's said, not helping. <laughs> make something of yourself. So I made a weed patch in the middle of this forest, and I kill people who happen upon it. You know, like a businessman. <laughs> I, mean, I got it's this. I got very this. legal and very cool. <laughs> Topical. Topical. He'll Watch out, say, Dennis Miller. I, I'm one chi chi away from taking over your throne. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I got this guy that buys it from me, but he's really creepy and he licks porno mags. I just, <laughs> just want to get out of this crappy little town and meet some decent people. I mean, that is the one thing on Donnie's eBay that you would have to consider looking in the description is what items hasn't Donnie fucked. Yeah, the, the, and those items. My guess to, is the, the that ratio is low. That those items need to 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 arrive in in protected plastic. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So yeah, they go down into the. The tunnels, they they free Whitney via ice axe, 
they manage to sort of wiggle around. They kind of get trapped at one point, and then Clay moves a bedpost, and it's like, oh, there's a whole other tunnel. It's the most manufactured tension I've ever seen in my life that's relieved when he moves a piece of furniture. Like, oh, we're saved. I, I, I compared, I think in our first episode, I, I compared the this whole set to to an escape room. Mm-hmm. In, in which you have to you know kind of solve your way out of each level and and you, know, you have to you know shine your flashlight around and, and and find the fluorescent message written on the wall or, or you have to you know turn the turn the the combination to just the right amount that's that's what it is it's like you have to solve a puzzle to get through each level of, of jason's buffalo bill cave <laughs> but how difficult is it when the puzzle is Either don't move this bedpost or move it. I mean, <laughs> holy fuck. It's like almost like a like a nineties era, like like a video game where you had to like you know, <laughs> you know talk to talk to this villager. <laughs> yeah. Offer this villager it's like some, offer this villager a, a gold coin. <laughs> and then the, there and then is the, no the, the, oil the, for this lamp. The, 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 the village the, you know, the villager has nothing to say to you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so they move they move the bed frame and the two of them wiggle out and uh poor uh jenna is the last one to crawl through and what does she get for her troubles she gets a machete right through the majority of her body i don't know the entry point but the exit point and she's leaning over when it happens is out through her chest. And she kind of looks at it like the fuck. Yeah. Like she doesn't register the pain of it right away. I, I kind of, um, I kind of booed at this scene. Yeah. I, at this, first of all, I understand the idea of trying to subvert everyone's expectations for that. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I it, it, go, it, is the, it is the only, it is the only thing in the movie that's actually, that was actually kind of surprising. Yes. I think it sucks because Panda Baker is one of the few people in the movie you kind of actually like. And for some reason, the rule is no more than one woman can survive a Friday the 13th movie, whereas several dudes can, which is a super weird look. I, I, take, uh, some, I, take, some, I take some comfort in the, in the thought, though, that I am fairly certain that if this movie was made today, it'd be more likely that, that Clay would be the surprise kill. Yes. Uh, and then you could pay off the sort of Rob from part four thing of I'm dying. He's killing me. I'm dying, which is one of the greatest parts of I what I would consider the ideal of the Friday the 13th franchise. But for whatever reason, it doesn't want to take that lesson. It it tries to go for this, you know, subversion of our expectations. And okay, I don't know. Maybe I just like Danielle Panabaker because when we've given her lines to say it and in CW shoots, she's very good at them. Um, <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> it is reasonable. She's a very nice lady, I think. At least uh, she has been to our scripts. Uh, but even still, it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not thrilled with it, uh, but I also know why they did it. But I, I'm with you. I would rather they have knocked off Clay and had these two women withstand his onslaught. But 
if that wouldn't, if that had happened, then we wouldn't have this next sequence in which they emerge out of the hidey hole into an overturned bus, which people just forgot about. And uh, on their way out of it, Clay gets out through the exit and tries to bring up Whitney, but whammo blammo, there's Jason. And he starts beating the hell out of Clay and smashing his face through bus windows, which I enjoyed. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, I said, you sitting there like a little kid, like, like, you know, you know, you know, bouncing and bouncing back and forth in your seat. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do another, do another. <laughs> again, again. <laughs> and if anyone has tried to do anything to a bus window, is, I don't care how much it's been weathered, that's got to be tough to accomplish. But okay. So when we see his face l- later on, none the worse for wear. He He's has fine. He's absolutely cut. fine. <laughs> no, those cheekbones, perfectly chiseled. His nose unbroken. He just has one small slice on 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 his cheek. Um, meanwhile, Whitney gives Jason a, a like some sort of wrestling kick and manages <laughs> to wiggle her way out of this bus. And then they make a break for it, and lo and behold, they find the barn of doom. Um, because this movie needed to be Friday the Thirteenth Part Three and Part Five. The best of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. It is. It is everything, and it is all things. <laughs> uh, maybe Jason goes to hell too. I don't know. It's hard to remember the details of that movie, y'all. <laughs> I really can't keep track anymore. Uh, but uh, Clay and Jason um, engage in a fisticuffs after Jason smashes through a window. You know, so if you had that on your bingo card, check that bad boy off. Uh, they make that happen for us all, which I don't mind. I, I like it when Jason smashes through windows, I have to admit. I did I did write it down that that you know they hit every single note of the original series, including his his displeasure for windows. <laughs> he really does. I mean, he they actually take advantage Whitney does take advantage of his lack of peripheral vision, which I enjoyed. So it's not all bad. It just could have been better, I think, is what it comes down to. Anyways, they have a giant fight. And then uh, just when it seems like Jason is going to murderize Clay, Whitney holds up that brooch and or what is that? A cameo? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck yeah, that it's is. A, it's, that, a, it's a, that's a, a locket. A locket. Sure. And uh, let's go with it. And she goes, oh, you don't have to kill anymore. And meanwhile, Clay is just reeling, looks over to his right and sees a petite bear trap, a barrette trap, a trapette. <laughs> a mini trap. <laughs> I, I guess it's for varmints rather than bears, but it's the same fucking idea. It's it's a big mouth with with sharp teeth that clamps down when you hit the center of it. And he whips that around and slams it onto Jason's shoulder, then wraps the chain around his neck, and they throw the remains of the chain over a beam, and they pluck it into a thresher, uh, which we saw Donnie use earlier, 
Now, dollars, how much do you want to bet that Donnie has fucked that thresher? <laughs> Hopefully not while in operation. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no one would do it in operation, but that's... Cr- Gina, let's take this seriously. No one fucks a thresher while it's in motion. That's not sexy. It's when it's supplying that, you know, the the pull, the animal pull takes you over and you just can't help yourself. Well, you know, you make your way, you work your way through through that farming equipment. You got your hay, your hay baler. Uh-huh. You know, you got your, you got your, you got your tractor, which we we know from you know certain country songs. That that's a that's a favorite for fucking. Oh you yeah, know I mean, so sure. mm-hmm. you know, spend a little spend a little time with the uh, you know with, with the uh, the mulch spreader. It's got the word. It's got the word spreader right in the name. I mean, you know. <laughs> so there I, I you go. I don't pro- I don't profess to judge anybody's proclivities. That's right. We're not here to yuck your yum. Uh, we just know we just know we, we just know that 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 Donnie has either you know stuck or placed his penis into every object in, yeah. on that in that farm yes. you know, or, no. or, or or at least had or at least had it exposed within the vicinity of, of every object <laughs> that's right in, in that every farm. part of that barn is seeing his penis that's absolutely <laughs> for sure so so this unfucked thresher uh is now consuming uh, a chain and that that motion raises Jason up because the chain is is suspended over this beam and we see him sort of choking a la part three uh but the beam breaks uh and that doesn't he does not remain still for very long he reaches out in a, yet again another part sort of three I don't know reference, but there's no ax out of his head. That's what makes that part three thing when he reaches out with both arms sort of sing is that he's got an ax buried in his head. Uh, And slowly, but surely the chain is eaten up by the thresher and eventually um, hit the back of his skull gets sort of torn away, but we don't get to see it. It's kind of a little like shredded. Yeah, but I guess it can't suck. It doesn't also, I would feel at this point, it might also just tear his fucking head off with the chain being consumed, but it doesn't, which does not make a ton of sense. I mean. Well, they need, they Patrick, they needed to leave. They need to leave it open for a sequel. Well, that's why you don't have him get killed in a fucking thresher. That's the thing. They don't leave it open enough. They're trying to make it a big ending and outdo the other parts of the franchise, but they can't, he's not a zombie, so they can't go over the top, but they want to outdo the sort of machete slide down his face, which you also can't do. So I don't know. It just, again, the movie's not terrible. It's just not great. It's just there. It's a C plus. I'm gonna I'm gonna say C minus. I, I think I liked it a little less than you did. Yeah. Mm. You know what? I can't argue you into or out of <laughs> that minor difference between the plus and I'm, the I'm, minor. A, I'm, a, I'm a tougher I'm a tougher grader than, than you That's are. True. If we were teachers at the same high school, you'd be more popular with the students than I would be. 
You know, because you, you, you I, probably, you'd I think be you're really overestimating my popularity with teens. You'd probably be the type of teacher that comes into like, you know, you know turns his chair around, sits down at backwards. Yeah, it's going to want to wrap with your kids today about a little thing called crystal meth. <laughs> Don't do it. So you want to you want to try crank. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless Jason Statham is involved, I'm saying just say no. Um, and if you're wondering, yes, there is a dumb fake out ending and. Oh, and it's this, super, it's super dumb because it just, it doesn't make any sense. Why would they carry the body of Jason Voorhees? Who also, I guess he gets a machete stuck in his chest at some point. I wrote it down. It must've happened. So they just carry him out to the end of the dock and they're going to like kick him into the water. Why? Why? <laughs> I mean, I mean why? why are they not, you know, immediately fleeing and, and you know, calling, you driving their car to the first phone booth they find and yeah. reporting what's happened? No, they unchain him, drag him out to the lake and throw him in. It's like, OK, yeah. so you're just going to leave the, the bodies of your friends there. So, you know, you know, there's another Crystal Lake unsolved mystery. Well, I, that doesn't make any sense. How are they going to explain this to actual cops who are going to like, what did, uh, so this guy killed everybody. And then what did you do? Well, we unchained him. We dragged him down to the dock and kicked him into the water. Wait, what the fuck? We, Why would we, you do that? We, we hit his body. Like we're trying to cover up a crime that we did. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it seemed really smart at the t- officer. We couldn't just leave him chained to this thresher where it had eaten half of his skull. It's really important we return him to the lake from whence he came. How did they know that? I don't know. Why would and I don't why would know. they and why would they think what what is the significance of doing that? Because they have to get to the lake scare. The only reason for this is to get to the lake scare. But this doesn't make any sense because no one wakes up in a hospital and goes, what, what, what happened? And then like Jason Voorhees. That at least I would have gone, okay. Now I understand why this doesn't make sense. It just reminds just- it, it reminds me of um the 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 David S. Pumpkin sketch where where like <laughs> he like appears right behind them at the very end and like it like freezes and they're both like screaming and, and it just like stops. That's exactly what it reminded me of. <laughs> I'm Jason V. Voorhees. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> Yes, why do you have tunnels? Why are you why are you Buffalo Bill? <laughs> well, how did you get an entire fortress underground? Why is that bus still there? Oh god. Where's, All right. where's the weed, man? <laughs> <laughs> so let's choose our own death venture. Very complicated. Super difficult. Do you choose machete and tow truck? Machete from maybe your hindquarters, which is and um, machete uh, stabbing with a fork instrument, um, choking on a chain, uh, having the back of your skull chewed by a thresher that Donnie may have fucked. I have more than enough of Donnie. So uh, and and again, the 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 weird like the the. You, in the, the the genius of 
killing vampires by impaling them on on the crossbar of a of a of a tow truck is something is like the only thing I enjoyed about John Carpenter's vampires. And and I was, you know, vaguely pleased to see it show up here. So I'm gonna say macheted and then impaled on a tow truck. Yeah. Uh no one dies fast, so there's no choice where you can go fast. I think the only reason I'm gonna go with Jenna is because she finally changes out of a skirt into jeans. And I would rather die in jeans than chinos as Trent dies. So <laughs> I'm going I'm going with the uh, machete up my keister out my chest. <laughs> machete in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dial up Eddie Murphy. Someone stole your bit <laughs> and put it in this reboot of the Friday the 13th franchise. And that that pretty much does it. But wait, you saying that that seems awful fast, you guys. Hold on for a second. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to try to wrap up our primary foray through the Friday the 13th franchise with a very special guest. Okay? So you stay right there after these messages, and we'll be right back. Greetings and salutations, Internet. This is a quick break in the action to review with you some of the lovely reviews that we have gotten on iTunes. And they're great. They're fantastic. Uh, We received one from uh, Father Nickname who says, I've laughed out loud a whole bunch with this podcast. It's very funny and knowledgeable. Um, I love the hosts. I love the guests. And I love horror movies and I love to pick them apart. So you guys are just perfect. My favorite Jason kill is the folded sheriff from part six. That's a fantastic one. Thanks for a great podcast. He says, and thank you for giving us such a lovely review. Uh, We also have Tom Timmy G is awesome. And he says, if you're not a horror fan, you'll enjoy the comedic wicket of the hosts while it's laughing at the physics of naked water skiing or simply breaking down those traditional horror archetypes. You'll want to know how Kill by Kill's take is on these classics. And of course, from Torgo 3000, we have Gina is really cool. And Patrick has a delivery fit for those grindhouse trailers from back in the day. Oh, that's a nice compliment. Uh, Listen to their show. He says, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you ever so much. And of course, we received a couple things on uh, at the email. At killbykillpod at gmail.com. The first one was from Jeff Harper, and I thought this was important to uh, list off to you guys. He says, I discovered Kill by Kill about a month ago, and I love the podcast. And in episode 55, you both make uh, getting through the workday easier. You were just talking about a beer game. That beer game in the 2009 reboot of uh, Friday the 13th was actually created by Bob and Doug McKenzie. It's called Beer Hunter. So you can see these dumb college kids playing this game. Oh, my God. It's a real thing. <laughs> uh, it makes more sense that it's a Bob and Doug McKenzie game, though. Uh, it actually makes it seem too cool for Friday the 13th, 2009. But okay. Uh, and Jeff goes on to say that his favorite kill 
for him is the wheelchair uh, from part two, only because I spent my summers at camp with a long staircase down to the lake, and I can't, I couldn't walk down it without hearing the wheelchair rattling down the steps for some reason, probably sociopathic. I, I think it's, uh, you know, free association. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, uh, for uh, telling us more information about that beer hunter game. That's uh, super important to hear. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us, the ways to do it on Twitter uh, at the Facebook group. And uh, of course, on Instagram or at killbykillpod at gmail.com. And so until next time, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, and if you tell us what your favorite uh, kill is in the Friday the 13th franchise, or any of the films we've covered, we'll read it on here for you. That is our solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. And so until next time, everyone, the body count continues. All right, we are back into it uh, with Patrick and Gina, and we have a special guest. She is the woman who tolerates this uh, nonsense for now two and a half years. The lovely, the talented, the one, the only, Becky Wilson. How are you doing, Becky? I am great. How are you guys? Well, we're, we've we're completed. At the, we're at the end. We're at the end of the line. <laughs> you did it. We did it. You did it. You just you see the chariots of fire music. We 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 made it. <laughs> uh, so at the end of this, how do we say goodbye to yesterday in the intimidable boys to men style? And I figured the only way to really go about it would be to ask the tough questions, but I can't ask them of myself. So I've brought Becky in to ask a few of them for us. So Becky. When you're ready, fire away. Okay. <clears throat> well, I guess my first question is, how did, just for listeners who don't know, how did you guys find each other? Because I know that, Patrick, you had the, the kernel of this idea that you wanted to do this kill by kill, but then what happened? <laughs> well, I had the kernel of the idea, which I believe you and my brother were unimpressed by. <laughs> well, you know, I've been proven wrong <laughs> um we met through uh the flop house uh podcast group on facebook where gina uh even to this day has sort of legendary status as the hippest and coolest den mom that has ever been i don't know how that <laughs> happened <laughs> I, really I, I think because you're delightfully acerbic and you have a delightful sense of humor. And so people gravitate towards that. I Hip, cool, den mom. That sounds like a good thing to be. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm just baffled by it. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew over uh, the course of some amount of time that we seem to share pop culture references that we both seem to like. Mm -hmm. um, so things like uh, I, we both love Better Off Dead. I think that was the first one. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> if we both understand better off dead is kind of genius. We'll definitely understand Friday the 13th movies. Well, I think that's, we had a bunch, we a, had a bunch of logical progression. Yeah, we had a bunch of horror references. Like we both love dead and buried, which mm -hmm. is a deep cut. So that was part of it. Uh, how Gina, what do you think from your standpoint? Was I convincing when I texted you out of nowhere? 
yeah i mean you you were like i have this idea for a podcast i want to know if you want to co-host this was like the first like direct conversation we'd ever had with each other and i was like yeah sure okay (laughs) and and now now mind you i had you know had people approach me in the past about doing a podcast and i said yeah okay and then nothing came about it <laughs> like like you know it was oh well I'll, you know, I'll get back to you with some you know some ideas i'm like all right i'll be waiting and you know nothing nothing mm-hmm. nothing came about it and i actually was thinking about starting my own podcast which was related to my my website at the time which um i wrote about old television and then but i was like that's kind of a little you know it's a little broad and yeah i was kind of figuring out a a way to make it you know kind of more specific and then patrick popped up like yeah i'm gonna focus my attention on this instead Uh uh-huh and luckily you guys have great chemistry together and it just sort of works out i think we have a similar sensibility she said yes you could have been terrible think about it (laughs) i think she did say yes and I was terrible when we first started out because we were recorded a bunch that will never see the light of day where we had no idea what we were doing. Mm-hmm. As much of it, as it's changed in the two and a half years, those first iterations that we tried it were disasters. <laughs> Am I being too hard on myself, Gina? I, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't really remember them. So I don't, I don't think that they could have been that bad. I mean, obviously, you know, it wasn't so bad that we were like, yeah, you know, this isn't working out. You know, you know, it was a nice idea, but I don't think this is, you know, this just isn't meshing together. So, I mean, I know we we did a few episodes. How long into it did we start having guests? Was that somewhere in part two? No, it was part three. Was it? We were, okay. we were halfway into part three. We were like, hey, all right. We weren't, we had sort of iron things out as far as how we related to one another uh you you know where we a we can't see each other Mm -hmm. so that (laughs) was a hurdle and then b just working out a dialogue where i had to sort of be a conductor and i needed gina to fill in all the areas that i wasn't just chugging along on she and so working that out you know took a little while but it didn't it, it didn't stop us from actually achieving what we wanted to. And then, then we brought in Phil uh, for part three. And I think I was, I, that first one that we tried to do was I was in a bathroom at that hotel in Balboa <laughs> <laughs> using hotel echo. Wi-Fi. Lots of echo. Lots of echo yeah. in that bad boy. <laughs> and the rest is history. Well, maybe some, maybe your faithful listeners will someday get to listen to the the unheard. I burned those <laughs> podcasts. They were digital Trials. files. I still found a way to burn them. <laughs> okay. As far as the films themselves, because you have so many to choose from, we'll ask Gina first. If you had to pick one, what is your favorite film in the franchise? Oh, definitely part four. Uh, part four, I think, was the only one for me that got better upon what, rewatching them for this. You know, a couple of them, uh, you part one and two, um, uh, part six, I, I, you know, I held them in the same general, you know, positive esteem that I had before. 
Um, a couple other ones uh, did not survive rewatching. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I will not be revisiting several of those movies ever again. Um, but part four, in in breaking it down and analyzing it in like ten to fifteen minute chunks, it it held up very well, and in fact, a lot better than I remembered it. And uh, I, I don't want to steal Patrick's phrasing, but but. I'm, I'm going to, but I'm attributing it to Patrick. He described it as the platonic ideal of a slasher movie. And, and I think that that is really accurate. It, it is funny without being super self-aware, which is something that the later movies, for me at least, really suffered from in terms of the filmmakers knowing that they're making a dumb horror movie for mm-hmm. what they perceived as a dumb audience. So it was all very, you know, winking and we know this is you know really stupid and we're not going to try to make this a good movie. You know, part four had a sense of humor. It was, it was pretty genuinely scary. It was, you know, probably the only one of the whole series that I found honestly creepy and and yeah i think that one's actually improved upon uh a you know very very careful rewatching. very careful oh yes because <laughs> you guys really do slow this slow each film down into these <laughs> tiny tiny to a stupid degree yeah. to a stupid degree but that's why it's so fun because you have time to reflect on their crazy dialogue wardrobe and Pat- Patrick Motivations. does not miss a single thing in the background. It, it is crazy <laughs> how much he notices. And I'm like, I'm like what is oh my God. I thought, <laughs> now I remember what he's talking about. He just like, he, he just catches stuff. It's amazing. I, I still regret in the, in our episode four, not catching that Alice kicks Mrs. Voorhees straight in the crotch. It's <laughs> 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 like, why didn't I think that was worth noting? Like, mm. there's a whole sequence built around Alice straight up, like out of funniest home video style, kicking Mrs. Voorhees in the crotch and her doubling over. Uh, I'll well, never I think get that. Attention time back. to detail is something that's one of your strong points in general. Like, he remember he'll watch TV with me and go, "Oh, that guy. He played the bartender." In Alice, <laughs> I think it was uh, episode whatever. He'll know exactly. It's crazy. And yet, did I do the laundry today like you asked? No. No, of course no, not. Okay. No. All right. Moving along. Oh, so would you agree with Gina's uh, choice or would you pick another? I, yes. For I favorite mean, film. I Four is probably my favorite. I will at least stick up for part two. In this circumstance, I think it has the best sequence, that third act sequence where Ginny is on the run solo. That is the best directed and accomplished segment in the entire Friday the 13th franchise. And I think it has some of the most iconic deaths and characters. Um, And so that was the one that rose the most in my mind. I'd always loved part four, but I didn't I don't think I appreciated a lot of part two because it was frozen in time as the first movie I think I I saw in the franchise. Mm -hmm. And upon seeing it, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things here that stick with the movie for the rest of time. That's that was the movie where we recognize toilet and where uh, we we got, 
you know, where uh, Get Bunked kind of came into view as a trope that repeated um, Jason using your fuck style against you that all sort of coalesced in part two. So I, I part two would be number two on my list. Okay. Um, as well, you brought up tropes. So where you get into the nitty gritty of details, I feel like Gina's good at pointing out <laughs> the many tropes that are part of the Friday, the 13th franchise, um, endearing tropes. Some not so endearing, I guess, but what would what would be one of your favorites, Gina? Um, I, I like that that uh, Crystal Lake only seems to hire the most uh, incompetent people for their police force and, yeah. and the most indifferent people for for their ambulance squad. There, there, there are several times in which the ambulance drivers show up to just take away bodies and they're just like, yep, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they're practically like just the whole like the, the trope where like the, the coroner just eating. There was a coroner eating a sandwich over the yes. uh, over the body in part four, mm-hmm. I think. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, they're just so you know, utterly unruffled that these, you know, these young people have been killed in the most horrific manner and it's no wonder that they keep getting killed in the most horrific manner because they hire idiots to be their police force yeah i their first responders are terrible <laughs> just across the board the worst in that new jersey could find they all seem to land eventually in crystal lake their csi team when they grab that axe and part four with their bare hands <laughs> and then put the bloody end in a bag, but it's not big enough to hold the whole axe. That's, oh my God. It's fucking movies. So crazy. Now, would you say in every film, there is a, at least several, multiple times, a, a, a death by, by we are having sex or just had sex and then boom. I mean, there's. He definitely does. For sure. It's the first one. Jason definitely does use what your stroke game against you, <laughs> mm-hmm. whether or not it's how you approach sex, like in part two, where he knows that that girl is not going to have sex with that guy in that wheelchair until she puts on a sexy sweater instead of the sweater she's already wearing. Mm-hmm. She's using that. He's using that against her. So that element is always there. And there is, there does seem to always be a fuck couple. With, yes. With the exception of, the reboot does not have a designated fuck couple. Well, I mean, there's there's uh, Trent and and um, and Bree, but they but they don't. I mean, nothing happens to them while it's going on. It's just no, like, but he but Jason recognizes that they're too busy doing what they're doing that he takes advantage and kills Chewie, who's isolated at that point in time, and he knows that Lawrence is going to jerk it to that catalog. <laughs> So he's still using the LLP catalog. <laughs> Isn't that what we all do? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Especially a winter catalog where people are <laughs> their sexiest. Yeah. Yeah. Flannel. <laughs> okay. So any other tropes come uh come to your I mean the mind? big one we we knew going into this, which was that Jason Voorhees hates doors and windows. Yeah. But it was super weird to see. In some of the instances, especially in part five, where Jason Voorhees is not there, but somehow Roy, the indifferent ambulance driver who managed to 
give his son up and then become so enraged by that son's eventual death at the hands of an axe murderer that he then goes around and kills people. When he enters into the room, he kicks in a door exactly like Jason Voorhees. So he got really into character, which is something I don't think they teach you at ambulance driver's school. (laughs) Well, we've learned already they're a special breed. Yes. What about, (laughs) this is a, uh, is there something that you have learned by watching these movies? (laughs) How has your IQ improved, Gina? I I mean, I'm consistently baffled that I, I don't think even though Crystal Lake is supposed to be in New Jersey, which is you know a random choice to be sure. Uh, I don't think any of these movies have actually been filmed in New Jersey and, and n- none of them look convincingly like New Jersey. They always look different, even though it's supposed to be the same place over and over and over again. Uh, it's, you know, nobody I, I've discovered and learned that nobody knows what New Jersey looks like. It, it's, <laughs> It's a mysterious other world that that nobody has ventured into. It's it's it might as well be Mars. It's it's ex- exotic New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, as far as what I've learned, I've learned that people who talk about Friday the Thirteenth who haven't, I won't say that we're experts. I will say that we've studied really hard. So when I've heard other podcasts or Uh, that Eli Roth documentary that was on AMC and you have people I very much respect talking about how Friday the 13th is just a bunch of teenagers who go into the woods and get picked off one by one. I'm like, motherfucker, they're young adults. They're not teens for Christ's sakes. They're not teens until part eight. They're also not virgins. The first virgin who manages to survive is Corey Feldman, and he was 12. Mm. So let's take those things right off the, the balcony. The, the, the tropes that... So these are things you'd like other people to learn. I would like other people <laughs> to learn this shit so I can stop talking about it. Uh, but I don't. I think I ascribed to the sort of scream philosophy of what a Friday the 13th film was until I started to literally study them. And then it's like, oh... I've I succumb to a very easy answer of what these films are. Now they're still terrible in a lot of ways, and they're very conservative, all slasher films are, but they don't ascribe to the exact scream rules as some might have you believe. Mm-hmm. What I learned by watching or listening to your guys' podcast is uh was one of your guests uh, enlightening us all that Jason was not in fact the the sound behind him was not kill, 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 but rather choo, 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 <laughs> because you like trains. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Who was that? That was awesome. That was Amy. <laughs> uh, Amy was under the impression it was a choo, choo, choo. <laughs> Which is weird because that was the one film that didn't have a choo, choo train reference in it. Whereas part seven and part three vividly have trains as like an obsession. So maybe people. she was onto something. I listen, Amy's on to a lot of things. So I think she saw through to something and, and we have to recognize her genius. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Here's a good one. Cause there's, 
obviously been many kills throughout the franchise, but what's the best one? Not the one you would choose your own death venture, but what is the best kill for your money? Uh, dollars to donuts. I know what genius is going to be, so I'm going to pick a different one, even though I might <laughs> say it's the same thing. I think the best one for me is the sleeping bag murder in part seven, where he picks up a sleeping bag and in the regular cut of the film slams it up against a tree and just crushes the person inside. In the first cut of the film, he smashed it again and again and again. And then she kind of just falls out of it like part of your sandwich when you bite into one end and the rest of it falls out the back. <laughs> um, I There's something vis- just visceral about mm-hmm. that one that delights me to no end. That and the fact that she says to whom she assumes to be her boyfriend, come on and get it, big boy, before he tears into her tent. Um, I like that part. Uh, Gina, what say you? Uh, this is several movies ago, but but I, I have to stay faithful to part two's uh, machete in the forehead, wheelchair tumbling down the stairs. It's just, it's the most, it's the most iconic one in the whole, in the whole series. Yeah. Particularly the way it's filmed. Because it's pitch black, the the gag is simple yet effective, and then when he just tumbles down the stairs backwards, it's so pitiful. I, I I'm ashamed to admit that I I find anything involving like wheelchairs in distress to be to be very funny. I <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but like the scene in, in Manhunter, we had the flaming wheelchair just just careening down the, the 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 parking garage ramp and i think there was a um a, a scene in mars attacks where where there's just again a flaming wheelchair just just rolling past the background and it just it just makes me laugh i have no idea why and god's gonna just just <laughs> you know he's gonna take away my ability to walk someday for this i just i just know he is <laughs> yeah you like wheelchairs huh well guess what <laughs> here you go okay well, this may this question may go hand in hand. It's two questions, but I'm wondering if it's going to be from the same movie. So, was it five that you guys could not handle that you were just like, "Why is this still happening?" Was that part five? That's part five, and I'd say uh, Jason X too. I, I think Jason X was the one that's like you. Know, this, there's no, there's not a single redeeming quality to this to this movie at all. Yeah. I, I'm right up there with you. I don't, I feel like uh, five was the one I dreaded the most walking into this. Mm-hmm. And while I don't like watching the movie, I do really enjoy talking about it. Jason X is quite the opposite. I don't know that I mind watching it. It just strolls along, but talking about it was a goddamn <laughs> chore. I It was just... And we had lovely guests who were very funny, who I would love to have back and talk about a movie that's worth talking about. But, oh, my God, the more we seem to dig into the inconsistencies and weirdness of that movie, it just got worse and worse and worse. And no amount of of fantastic network that they did in the costuming seemed to elevate it beyond that. It just, every part of it looked like, a roller coaster cue that someone chintzed out on the budget on, you know, it, it just was terrible. 
Now, if you had to pick your least favorite character, would it come from five or Jason X or would it be from somewhere else? Ooh. Um, hmm. I mean, yeah. Least favorite character is a tough one uh, because there are lots of candidates. Um, and I would say the, the one chocolate vampire from part five. I'm not. That <laughs> well, I mean, it's, that's, and also, I mean, don't forget that, that your opinion may be, may be clouded by the fact that the, uh, the actor in real life, um, has, has some, a, a, some unpleasant things in his background. So yes, that, that is skewed in that direction. So let's take that aside, but I will stay in the same film. I would say my least favorite character is the orderly from part five who does gross things with his tongue, reads porn at work and has multiple baggies of cocaine in his car. He had one baggie of cocaine and then a small satchel of cocaine. And then he had a mirror kit of cocaine. It's a lot of cocaine. It sounds like proper planning because then you, you don't need three you things need to keep your cocaine in one place. Or do you? I don't well, know. It's- well, you know, being an ambulance driver doesn't really pay that well. So that, that could be like his <laughs> moonlighting is also being the local Coke guy in Crystal Lake. How expensive was cocaine in 1985? It wasn't cheap. How much could you buy on, on an ambulance slash orderly's, you know, uh, discretionary income? Uh, he- so for you, least favorite is you don't like the use of the drugs or worse. Smutty magazines. I don't like his use of drugs, and I don't like him using smutty magazines while on the clock. I see. I see. I don't like his tongue waggling where he he turns his <laughs> ear and his tongue comes out. That's gross. <laughs> part of him is gross. I don't like him. He's gross. In a film full of gross people, mm-hmm. he's right at the top, and that puts him above Roy, who kills a lot of people in that movie, but. Orderly over Roy. Okay. Yes. What about Gina? From any of them, right, well, then I your least then favorite. I will say I, I will. Say, no, I'm, I'm still gonna stick with Jason X, and I will say that the um, I don't even remember the character's name anymore. I I took to calling him Fake Burke because he was definitely <laughs> supposed to be the Burke character from Aliens. He's sort mm-hmm. of you know officious company man who who you wanted to to you know, preserve the specimen at, at, at all costs. He he had neither neither the the charm or the charisma of Paul Reiser, and that's that's saying a lot. Um, <laughs> I I did not need to see this character in a sex scene. Thank you very much. Um, and just you know, I I every one of these movies has the Weasley guy, and I just I just had enough of the Weasley guy, and and I was like, okay, again with this character, I'm just going to patiently just sit here and wait for him to die. Eventually, it took way too long, and Jason X's character to die, frankly, but. You know, at least I had that satisfaction eventually. It's hard to go because they all have such weird ass names, but it's it's hard to 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 weigh him up against the character who fucks a robot into increasing his odds. <laughs> sorry, I missed that. Yeah, it's no, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> no? It's okay. a terrible, terrible film. What was the one on the boat? Where's oh the New York one, right? Where you're yeah. on a they never get to New York till oh, the they, end, till, till the, the end. end. Yeah, but it's it a weird abandoned Manhattan. Where there's, there's some like, terrible where there, characters where there's on that hay one. bales in the alley. 
you, you'll, yes. you'll, you'll, yes. note, like, you'll note on your trip that you probably did not see any hay bales and that there was a lot more <laughs> and then there was a lot more people in Times Square than, than the movie would have you believe yes yeah that's uh, my least likable um set <laughs> it's just stupid who's on a boat who's uh, mad at it yeah uh, and Rennie's dad uncle who threw her into the water to learn how to swim from a rowboat that she has a flashback to in a burning puddle. <laughs> He's probably right up there too. I hate that guy. Oh, what was your favorite joke from the series so far? Has there been a joke? Um, this is Patrick's question. So I, I don't know. Has there been? Joke? Uh, like I mean, a f- favorite bit. Okay. All right. I would, the one that I keep coming back to, and unfortunately, I, I don't think Gina was here for it, was in was for part eight, where we discovered that Jason knew how to drive a boat. <laughs> I, <laughs> I There's something that is deeply fulfilling about the idea of Jason, like Mickey Mouse, just <laughs> do, 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 in a boat. It's like there's nothing in this man's history or things history really at that point. He was a fish toilet given the breath of life to to give you the idea that he knew how to drive a boat, nevertheless dock it and then hop in the water and climb up a chain into a cruise ship. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was even more, that was even more unlikely than, than, than Michael Myers somehow learning how to drive a car at some point, (laughs) even, even though he was in an institution since he was six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least he would have seen somebody um, drive a car and maybe worked it out. But, you know, there's like there's two pedals. There's a steering wheel. You know, after about 15 minutes, he probably worked it out just fine. A boat has a lot. I mean, where would you even start? That, that thing well, was obviously, obviously, into the obviously a boat or safety course. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have stuck out at all. No, no. no. <laughs> Now, didn't that lead to one of your followers creating a little yeah. Jason Mickey Mouse meme? Yes. It's one of my prized possessions. <laughs> uh, it is one of the greatest examples of fan art we've ever received, and I I adore it. Um, I'm going to guess for Gina, because I keep bringing it up because it makes her laugh every time I do it, and that is from part two, and that's <laughs> Toilet. <laughs> See, that's just an example of of you know how the early episodes were were, were kind of a little rough because <laughs> I, I didn't know he was gonna do that. So like like I think maybe about five minutes of that was just dedicated to me like like snickering and laughing like uh like Muttley just the whole <laughs> <laughs> Muttley and you know just like like oh god stop hold on stop sec you know, it's just. <laughs> You know, I, I'm sure people really enjoy just, just, just like you know, hearing me be like, you know, stop! I'm gonna pee myself. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, clue people in who didn't hear the toilet reference. What this is about? There, at one point in the movie, a local uh, constable, yes, uh, an incompetent constable, takes a foot chase after Jason after he sees him cross the road, and. He's he's a little um, overweight, and so he spends a lot of that chase ping-ponging off of trees. And they finally 
find Jason's dilapidated cabin that he's been hanging out in. Now, this cabin has a couple different features. Uh, one is his head, the head of his mom on a wheel on the top of a wagon wheel table. Mm-hmm. And the other is a toilet that the movie decides to give a music sting to. And the music sting, the, the, it just pans to the toilet and then the, the music goes, toilet. <laughs> as, as if it's a revelation. <laughs> and I can't get over it. It is the craziest music cue. And that's saying something because in part five, there's that one sequence where the car just drives across the, the screen four times. And the music's just going, and you're like, it's just, it's just a truck with three people in it going from one side of the the road to the other. And it keeps going. It's like, calm down, Starsky and Hutch. (laughs) Like, seriously, you would have thought someone had given chase or that they were on their way to certain doom. None of that happens. (laughs) No. None of it. They bring a tween boy to meet his brother who is having stomach difficulties because of a bad uh, enchilada. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why the soundtrack has to like, wah, 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 while it's happening, but I didn't, I didn't write it. <laughs> Maybe you can get one of the composers on someday. Oh, no. I, that, mm. <laughs> Just ask. <laughs> what they may all it would take would be thinking. one Google search <laughs> to learn our attitude towards the music <laughs> of Friday the 13th, which is not good. <laughs> okay. In terms of a, what do you guys think, who stood out as like one of the greatest performances? I mean, of course we know that there was a Kevin Bacon appearance and a Crispin Glover and Mm -hmm. people who are regarded as, as good actors. Um, And maybe it's one of them for all I know, but in terms of performance, just like that was a solid acting performance. What, who would it be? (laughs) Not that you have to know the actor's name, but the character. Um, my favorite is from the first movie, and it's Brenda. I, Lori Bertram, the actress, uh, unfortunately, is not not with us any longer. Comes across as this wonderful girl next door who is also, um, she's faster and stronger and smarter than anyone else in the camp, and you you kind of see it. Um, in anecdotal sequences where she just reacts faster. She just seems more on the ball. She also seems um, more flirtatious with a wider array of people. When they play strip Monopoly, she looks right at Alice after the wind blows out the windows and like, oh, we're going to have to finish up the game. And she looks right at Alice and goes, oh, that's a shame because things were just getting interesting. She's not looking at Ned. She's looking at Atlas like, Mm -hmm. hey, you were about to take off your bra. Things were about to get interesting. And so it's this, I don't know where she's coming from. Like she seems free and her own person and cool and like somebody you'd want to hang out with. And that's why I feel her death more acutely than even, you know, 
Kevin Bacon's because Kevin Bacon is kind of a wiener <laughs> in that. Yeah, he doesn't make a huge impression in 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 that in that no. movie. No, he t- he's there. I mean, he's there. You can tell that the camera loves him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't give the same level of performance he does in in um, in Animal a few House. Good men or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not at that level. It's not like in Footloose you could tell that guy is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And in Animal House, he gives a a funny performance in a specific way. Here, he's just like one of the kids who the the camera's like, "Ooh, you're attractive." That film's full of attractive people. He's not out of place. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gina? Is there a standout performance? Well, my obvious answer would be Crispin Glover because, I, like he, like he does in every movie, he just acts like he just you know landed from Jupiter. He's just completely in his <laughs> yeah. own in his own so movie weird. all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, the only reason I, I find uh, the the two thousand nine remake even worth bringing up. Is I really, really enjoyed the character Chewy. Um, yeah. The actor is named Aaron Yu, and and I believe other than a character in um, Jason Takes Manhattan, I think he might be the only Asian character to ever appear in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Part two, there's that one girl in the Mork and Mindy suspenders, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> she, oh, I don't right, think right, she right. has a line. Yeah, no, I think she's just kind of there, but but yeah, he just feels like a a a character that they made a rudimentary attempt at 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 uh, at developing, and he kind of comes off like a character in a Seth Rogen movie, but in, but in a but in a sort of charming and amusing way, and and of course mm-hmm. he be, because of this he doesn't seem like he would you know he should be hanging out with the rest of these you know anonymous abercrombie and fitch models he just (laughs) he just doesn't really belong there but but he's he's very funny and and he's just kind of doing his own thing and it makes the way the 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 deaths in the in the in this in the reboot so prolonged we've ranted about this in almost every episode about the, the remake how they just they're dragged out and kind of Eli Rothish and I just really didn't care for that and it's harder because I honestly like this character and and yeah he was the comic relief so there was it was extremely unlikely that he was going to make it to the end of the movie because we never do let's face it <laughs> um, uh, you know at best we come back from the dead like like Griffin Dunn and in, in, in American Werewolf in London that that's at mm-hmm. best um but yeah, I just he was you know a somewhat fleshed out character, which was which was way more than you were getting over the last few movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So now that you guys have wrapped up this whole franchise, do you have a sense of does it feel a little strange? Like should have should and then when you first started talking about doing this, did you always say to yourselves this will be the end? Or were you always raring to go to the next franchise? Um, I think I, I when we started, we we're like, let's let's see if we even enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because why make plan? Why make grandiose plans and commit yourself to a plan of action if you're not actually going to enjoy it? But recording it is absolutely, you know, the the most fun part of this is being able to, to talk to Gina and, and, and eventually we, we talk to a lot of great guests and to hear what they have to say about it. That's, that's a really fun part. And once we knew it was fun, I, I thought, okay, well, if we're going to do Freddy versus 
Jason, then we should talk about Nightmare on Elm Street and give it the same treatment. So I am somewhat nervous because we're going to be talking about an entirely different kind of slasher film where unlike Jason, Freddy tells you exactly what he's thinking at all times. Mm -hmm. Whereas we got to project all sorts of things onto Jason where he was, you know, in this latest film confessing to Whitney in his underground lair as to what his you know problems were with his mom and why he you know feels put upon upon this world and 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 other things we made him into a guy who was you know learning how to swim and uh <laughs> selling shrunken apple heads right. at, at swap meets knitting and, things out of hair yeah. as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so we got we got to put a whole bunch of things onto Jason because he's a void right. and now we have someone who's going to tell us at every turn because mm-hmm. he won't shut up. <laughs> and it's a bit of becomes a bit of a one one liner machine. Right. In later movies. Um, and so it's it, it's just going to be a different animal. So I'm a little nervous in that sense because I don't know what it's going to be like. But I know because I have a fun time talking with Gina about it, that it will be fun. And it will be interesting to start with a, a franchise at the beginning when it was good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of uh the petering out of the last gasps <laughs> of steam that uh that friday the 13th had uh, yes going into this how are you feeling about the transition gina um yeah it, it's gonna be and we are gonna have to take a different approach because um a complaint that i had and i already mentioned here about the later friday the 13th movies is that they became very self-aware of what kind of movie they were and what kind of audience they were mm-hmm. they were targeting. And and a lot of times I got the impression that the filmmakers didn't actually really care for the audience that they were that they were targeting towards. And I think they just knew that you know this was gonna be, you know, a, a you know, a money-making machine. And that's all they, you know, they just need to you know, hit all the standard notes and you know, just get an hour and a half long movie and not really have to make it you know, engaging or interesting or compelling or scary or anything. It just had to have some, you know, attractive people, you know, possibly get naked and definitely get killed. And mm-hmm. it, that's, that's all that's required. I mean, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies definitely developed that sense of self-awareness pretty early on. And, and, yeah, it's, but, it's but, fast. but, but I, I feel like it was more kind of, you know, playful in a way. And, and I feel that there was, you know, not so much of a you know a distaste for its own audience that the uh that the Friday the Thirteenth movies seem to happen in uh in later years. So it's uh you know, and I feel that we're gonna we're gonna end up overall probably liking more of them. And there's a there's a different feel to the show, you know, for better or for worse when we when we like something. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, it's it's been a while since we've gone through a a a, a you know, a movie by breaking it up into smaller parts where, where we liked it all the way. I think maybe part six maybe was the last one. You you liked part seven more than I did. I I did not. Yeah, I have a soft spot for it. Yeah, I did I not particularly care care for that one. So I think part yeah. six was the last time we were in a full agreement. Does it? Yeah, this is a pretty solid movie. And I know that our listeners do enjoy, as as people tend to do with these kinds of things, as just really, you know, taking the old hatchet to something. 
but as as certainly with the case in Jason X, it got really tiring. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's it is a good thing that we enjoy talking to each other because otherwise it would just feel like such even more mature than it than it already felt like so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it goes when you know even the worst ones were of, of the nightmare and all shoot were okay they 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 didn't make me angry like 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 jason x did yeah but now that that, let, me, said, let me let jason me jason x didn't make me really angry until we watched it the way we watched the movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah let, and let me interrupt and say I have not seen the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I understand it is not good. Um, yeah. And when when Patrick told me that we were going to cover that, I think my response was, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is kind of the same re- reaction I had when he said he wanted to cover 2009 because I also had not seen that one. And you know what? That was very much was very much earned. <laughs> That met my extremely low expectations. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you going to continue to have the same sorts of guests? Is there anyone you want to talk about that's coming up? Because you've had authors, you've had comics, you've had uh, horror film directors. You've had me! <laughs> um, uh, we're going to have the same sort of mix. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we'll have some old favorites back uh, to to talk about Nightmare. We'll have new favorites who will emerge. Um, I think we have some exciting people uh, who have tentatively said yes, but I always feel bad putting someone else's name out there when we don't have their name penciled into a specific date and calendar. <laughs> I will say that we have been insanely lucky uh, with one notable exception. Uh, and that 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 show has been retired, never to see the light of day again, where we have just had such lovely guests who bring their own wonderful sensibilities and their talents to bear on on such trivial matters as these films. And so I can only hope that our luck continues in that direction. Yeah, I think we, there's something worthwhile by having the mix that you guys do because you have people who've never seen the films before or quote unquote don't like horror movies and yet find a way to really get into talking about the minutiae of it, as well as people who do nothing but live and breathe horror films all day and all night. So it's a nice way to come at it. Yes, I agree. Any last parting words? the two of you as you wrap up this franchise i think i'm good on watching friday 13th movies for a, <laughs> a little a little while i i uh i i think that you know i i have you know digested it as much as i i possibly can it doesn't mean i'm never gonna watch another one again again i i still genuinely like one two three um six and i honestly love four but but I think that I I can take a very long break from watching them. I I don't know that I could escape talking about them because I think that even when we, when we move on to nightmare on Elm street and whatever we look on beyond that, that we're still going to be associated first and foremost with talking about Friday the 13th. One thing that I thought was funny is when um, there, there is a, 
I don't even know if you can even call it a competing podcast because they're probably getting much more numbers than we are. But two, let's say two well-known people on the uh, on, in the the world of podcasting very recently started their own Friday Thirteenth related podcast, and <clears throat> several people. <laughs> came to us and say did you hear about this this is terrible how dare they steal your idea (laughs) they probably did not steal the idea from us this was just a an unfortunate coincidence but (laughs) uh but yeah so but i think even then it's gonna be you know we're gonna continue being compared to other you know people who are doing write-ups about the movie the series podcasts about i think it's just that's going to be always and every time there's any kind of news about you know the possibility of another friday the 13th movie we're always tagged with it and and i think it's just it's interesting that that's my that's going to be my legacy (laughs) (laughs) i i I didn't even i didn't even you know write them or 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 star in them or anything i just recorded myself talking about them and now well that's the friday the 13th lady (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay i could have i could have a worse legacy yeah and they're they're still fun to talk about well it says something about them that they've endured this long frankly it is a very rare bird and one of the reasons we wanted to get into it was that they occupy uh, uh an interesting space where starting in 1980 and ending in 1989 there was a movie almost every single year of that decade from this franchise and they're little slices of time frozen in celluloid that give you an insight into what you know powerful people thought of young people at that moment in time what were they doing what were they interested in what were the tropes what were the kinds of 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 people that you could signal out where every everyone in the audience would go oh i know that guy i either like him or i dislike her and vice versa and so that's super interesting. We're going to see a, a different element of that with Nightmare, because although it is compact, it it does sort of revel in that idea of giving you a slice of time. But there are fewer films. So when we get into the kid who's a comic book nerd, like that becomes a big deal within Nightmare, whereas... In part seven, you kind of have a comic book nerd and he talks about it in an abstract, but it doesn't doesn't matter to his character in the long arc. So it'll just be different Uh, and hopefully different will be good and interesting to our audience. And that's what we. Yeah, you'll probably pull in a whole different group of people, too, just because Friday the I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street um, means a lot to a lot of people. And hopefully we'll do right about them. And yeah, uh, you know, people were talking about Friday the 13th before we arrived. People will talk about it long after. But I, what I like about it is I'm very happy with the product we delivered uh, over the course of these two and a half years. And I, I hopefully will feel the same about Nightmare on Elm Street. And of course, when they meet in Freddy versus Jason, we will once again talk about perhaps the worst <laughs> delivered from either franchise in one film. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> it is deliciously bad. Wonderful. It's yeah. like, it'll be a reverse palate cleanser. <laughs> a palate then, soiler, I guess. Yeah. And then, of course, we will take flights of fancy in between 
uh, the movies and try to do other things like we did with Prom Night 2 and with Commando. We will try to find ways to use this format to explore other films within horror and maybe slightly outside of it. So I think, uh, I hope uh, people will like it as much as we like doing it. All righty. So Gina, before we go, um, where can people find you on the internet? And what about the lovely people who are giving up some of their coin and putting it in our purse on Patreon? Well, first and foremost, I write about movies and old TV and pop culture and other stuff at my website, GinaRadcliffe.com. Um, I also review movies and television at AlkaHollywood.com. Um, some of my recent reviews was uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which uh, is not a Friday the 13th movie, and you should, but you should definitely watch it anyway. Uh, there's a lot of killing in it, so it, it, it kind of, it almost, it almost, uh, <laughs> You know, it kind of it could kind of be you know in, in that in that vein um and i am on twitter at uh, porcelain 72 and for our patreon um uh, just as a reminder uh we have a three tier uh rewards system on patreon uh five dollars a month or more will get you a bonus episode now i do have to apologize due to scheduling issues we had to release our first bonus episode to the public at large uh we are hoping that that will not happen again um that was mandy which we both really 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 loved um and our next one um which should be available by the time this goes live is uh, Netflix's Apostle, uh, which we loved, but which we liked. I don't want to say we loved. We liked it. Not as not as much as we liked Mandy. It's um, hard to outdo Mandy, which yeah. would probably be on my top 10 of any film list this year. It was just yeah. that good of an experience. And just to uh, rattle off our newest donors, um, thank you to Kelly Houlihan. Um Benjamin White, who is a big supporter of our show, he actually upgraded his donation. Um, he is now at the $5 level. Thank you, Benjamin. Um, Andy, I'm going to pronounce your last name wrong, Beggar, B-E-G-E-R, um, Holly Ward, John Grills, uh, Zerwiski, who uh, has said very nice things about us on Twitter, so thank you, Zerwiski. And this is incredibly exciting. We got our first $10 pledge. It is Megan Dooley. So right now, um, Megan is our only $10 (laughs) (laughs) patron. So as of this moment, uh, sometime next month, she will be able to, to choose a movie for us to do an episode about. What? Uh, that is an awesome perk. Yeah, I, Be I, like Megan, everybody. <laughs> I, I trust I, I trust Megan that she's not going to pick anything too questionable for us to do. Um, but uh, who knows? Uh, but if you, you you still have time, if you if you want to uh, compete in a drawing against Megan to to choose a movie for us, now's your chance. Uh, you just have to pledge ten dollars a month to us. So that's uh, patreon.com slash kill by kill. Do it today. Check it out. If you want to talk to us on Twitter, uh, that's the fastest way to do just about anything these days at Kill by Kill Pod. Of course, we have the Facebook group and we have the Facebook page. That's where everything starts. The group is where we get into the nitty gritty details. We'd love to hear from you there. And of course, we're on Instagram at Kill by Kill Podcast. Uh, and that will do it for right now. But don't worry, folks. The body count will continue in fact 
we're going to have a Christmas special for you, a two-parter where we're going to chop into the remake of Black Christmas. That's right. Uh, We're not done with remakes. We're taking on Black Christmas, which is super interesting and decidedly weird and weirder than I remembered it. Oh, it's (laughs) weird. Let's put it that way. It's weird. Yes. Uh, Our very uh, first guest there is Heather Wixon. Uh, a writer of uh, Monster Squad and a fantastic horror writer uh, in and of herself. So I urge you to check that out when it drops here at Christmas and then in the new year, the podcast of your dreams becomes the podcast of your nightmares when we take on Nightmare on Elm Street, one kill at a time. And so until then, for myself and for Gina and for Becky, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.